Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Today, we had Bill Tan on the show, big friend of, of Chi here, and it was good. I mean, I if I were you, I'd, you know, take out some time, pop some popcorn, you know, throw it on, throw it on in the headphones and get to listening because it's a longer episode, but it each and every minute is full of information, stories, guidance, predictions. We had it all. What'd you think, Chi? Yeah, Bill is a really good friend of mine, one of my first teachers in this space. So of course I have a soft spot for him. I thought this episode was actually just very indicative of how all of his classes are. He's a teacher at heart. His wife is a teacher as well. So he just did such a good job of breaking down everything from options to lease options, to subject two, to installment sales, to seller financing, to discounting a note. I mean, literally, it was a little mini class, which if you have taken Bill's classes, they are a full weekend, like eight to 10 <laughs> hours a day for two to three days. So Bill can talk, but none of it is wasted breath. So I would definitely like Ike said, get a notepad out, sit down, get some popcorn out, listen, and literally you will be taking notes of of ideas that you can be employing in the next few years, given the market that's upcoming. So. Without further ado, let's uh, get into it. You know, any of those cosmetic value-add multifamilies that are out there over the last 24 months, it's really difficult to see the pathway to retaining the property or not having to do a cash-in refinance. So I, I totally agree with you on that. And then in, in regards to uh, subject two being the primary uh, means of transaction in the single-family space, I, I happen to agree. In fact, I think that those mortgages, those 2 to 4% uh, mortgages, those are now the assets in the space as opposed to the, the property themselves. And, you know, I've I've even heard of people theorizing maybe people are able to retain their mortgage through by way of transacting property. So take a mortgage for, say, half a million bucks and use that as opposed to paying it off and go and buy another property and just bring the equity because the mortgage itself, that that low that low interest payment, even if you couple it with a higher interest payment on a different portion of the capital stack, the blended rate is still going to be super low. While you were giving us your predictions, I was just like, you know exactly, uh, you know exactly what you're talking about clearly because it all makes a ton of sense. And I happen to agree with pretty much everything you said. I would like to add that I'm looking at the note space also, and I believe there are notes, bad notes going to start coming down the road. I'm just not sure how many and where. But yeah, I, commercial notes, no question, they're going to be. A, Dime a dozen, but residential, I'm not quite so certain of. Yeah, I can answer that question or, yeah, that question for you. Um, because the fund, the note fund that I help run right now, we can raise up to $150 million. So we get to see quite a bit of trades. Just the other week, I saw almost $800 million of unpaid principal balance come across my desk to evaluate. Wow. Yes. And so I bid on quite a few of those. But to be honest with you, um, a lot of them are not trading, you know, because a lot of those interest rates are so low. A lot of the people who are now defaulting on their mortgages, those interest rates are so low that they, when you sell those mortgages on the market again, they just don't. No one wants them. Oh, for, yeah. They don't yeah. just don't call for that much of high pricing. We, we will always put our numbers to them. And I send the bids in and they're like, yeah, the seller won't want to, don't want, doesn't want to sell for that much. And I'm like, well, yeah, he's not going to sell it anywhere then. 
And then, of course, I circle back with them a week or two later and I say, how much did it sell for? They said, oh, it didn't trade because, yeah, everybody was around where you're at. And at this point in time, when the the market is so crazy, we can basically lend out of our mortgage note fund in the teens, you know, like 13 to 15 percent with two to three points. It's easy. We do it all the time. So why would we buy a mortgage note that's non-performing with a borrower with a 500 to 650 credit score for a lower return, a lower yield than what we can get just lending to an investor who has an 800 plus credit score, has done 50 deals and knows what they're doing and knows how to do a remodel. And yeah, that's just where we're at in the market right now. It's, it's, it's a fascinating time because I think prior to COVID, we were all saying that notes were great. And then during COVID, we're like, whoa, the financing is the asset now, you know, don't like lend right now and don't buy right now. And um, yeah, it's just, it's so, so fascinating how, um, how quickly the, the market's changed. Let me tell you a quick story. Oh, by the way, cost of funds is everything. And if your cost of funds are such that if you're trying to buy a two or 3% loan note, then you have to discount that tremendously. And that's not going to be. Because your cost of capital is going to be more than that right now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let me wait. Let me explain that to our listeners just in case. <laughs> no cost of funds are cost of capital. So, for example, our fund uh, gives an eight to eleven percent return to our investors, depending on when they get in and whether or not they get bonus shares. If they hit twenty five thousand dollars, they get a higher return. If they put in the minimum, which is twenty five hundred dollars, they get the minimum return, which is eight percent. With um, you know all these things. By the way, I can say all this because we're SEC certified. We're a regulation plus <laughs> fund. It's fine. I can say those things on air. And uh, ask her the other night, what did I do? <laughs> yeah, I said it in front of SDCIA and he was like, you can't say that. It's a return. And I'm like, well, actually we can because we are like, we've been really whipped around by the SEC. And they're like, yeah, if you've right, done, yeah. if you, if you've ever done a reggae, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's, they're getting in there. They're going to know. Exactly what <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a financial colonoscopy for yeah. sure, is what my. My You're friend and mentor, Mike Cantu, calls it. He's like, <laughs> financial colonoscopy. Anyway, yes. So that's our cost of capital. When we take in passive investor money, we're taking it 8 to 11%. So we can't buy a mortgage note for 2 to 3% at par, which is what, what some sellers want right now. They're, let's say, a $100,000 note for 3% interest on the note. That's what we call the coupon rate on the note. I can't buy that for $100,000. I have to buy that for like $50,000 or less, you know, probably less. And, probably and, a lot and, less. I'm not and, doing the math really quick, but. Not to totally beat a dead horse. I know we've been, we've been talking about notes for about half an hour here, but it, it's, it's really cut and dry with notes where it's, it's an equation. You know, my yield has to be higher yeah. than my cost of capital. And if something's at face value, I'm getting 3% on 100K. It's only, it's only $3,000 and that's not going to cover my yield. So I have to pay less for it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not like the, the real estate side where you say, oh, you know, this one has a nice view. So that's going to get a better price. It's, yeah. it's, it's just true. That's true. And, and there's only so many levers that you can pull and notes to juice your returns. Whereas if you get like a uh, multifamily building and hey, there's a laundry room. Actually, let's like make them coin operated. And we can get some money from parking spaces or storage units or something like that to get more creative. There's only a few things we can do, like loan modifications. But let me let me say one thing here. We're talking about notes, and you said there's not much you can do with notes. I disagree. I can buy a note at a discount, 
And I can take it as cash at face value. Let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar note. We bought it fifty thousand. I can take that hundred thousand dollar note to another marketplace and trade it at a hundred thousand dollars. So there are things you can do, Ike. That's the creative part that I like to do. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're the expert. You're the, I'm, I'm here learning. I'm, you guys are, are just blowing my mind with all this note talk. I, I almost <laughs> want to. I want to get into the game. You know. We can go from notes to real estate. Yeah, it's oh, just. Yeah. A- Part of knowing the whole equation, it's it's really fascinating. So. And that's what is fascinating about creative financing, because I can apply the same creative financing techniques to the note business as I can to real estate. Yeah. Man, we can talk to you for hours, Bill. Seriously. But we, we got to we we get you back on the show at some point. But for now, let's move on to the legacy round. I know there's usually a, f- a few options that we give listeners, but I'm not going to give you an option because I know you will. So I'm just going to ask you to share your favorite deal with us. One of your favorite deals it doesn't have to be your top, top favorite, but whatever comes to mind first, favorite acquisition or transaction that you just love talking about and just makes you smile when you think about it. The favorite one I like to talk about is a note deal. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a note. It was in Louisiana. It was John and his wife had this note for sale. It had a $20,000 face value. And it was, uh, oh my goodness, uh, $246.53 a month payment on it. And I asked them, why are you selling this note? And they said, well, my wife had just been in the hospital and made her surgery. And the hospital was calling them every night at 6 p.m. wanting to know when they were going to get paid. So they were going to take the money from the sale of the note to pay for her hospital. And so I said, okay, if I come to an agreement with you and I, if I were to take over the hospital bill, is there any reason why you cannot give me this note? If I take on responsibility for your hospital bill, is there any reason why you can't give me this note? There's almost exact words I used. And so John let, no, there's no reason why I wouldn't do that because that's the only reason why we're sending the note. So we got on a conference call with the hospital. Uh, I was, uh, John introduced me as his financial person that I would be, they would be dealing with me regarding his financial matters with that hospital. It was all in writing. And then he got off the phone and I turned and I, said to the person uh, in the hospital, the part where they received the money. Um, and I said, accounts receivable, thank you very much. Uh, you will accept payments, won't you? And she said, well, yes. I said, well, we can pay you $200 a month. Okay. And she said, what interest rate? What interest rate? We're going to pay you $200 a month till it's paid. So I negotiated with them to pay them their debt, which was about $12,000, $200 a month, no, it was $15,000, $200 a month until it was paid. I was receiving $246.53. And so all it cost me was the legal recording of me getting the note. That's all I had to pay for. So every month, uh, they would send me the bill. I would send $200. And in it, I would say, I've come into a little bit of money. Would you accept less than what you're owed for your debt? And after six months, I got a phone call. Mr. Tan, we understand you've come to a little bit of money. And yes, we would accept less than uh, $14,000 that we're owed. Now, 
how much money do you have? Well, I can only have $2,000. And they said, no, we couldn't possibly accept that. And so I said, fine. So another six months come by, a different person in accounts receivables calls me up, Mr. Tan, I understand you've come into a little bit of money. We would accept, and you owe us about 13000 We would accept 11000 for that. And I said, well, I don't have 11000 Well, how much do you have? I have $2,000. Oh, no, we couldn't possibly do that. Another six months come by, get another phone call back from them. They say, Mr. Tim, you understand you've got $2,000. We will accept that for full payment of your note. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. Only I don't have $2,000. <laughs> and they go, well, how much do you have? And I made the biggest mistake. I said, <laughs> I have $1,703. And they said, we'll take it. I gave them the amount they accepted. They would have accepted less. I had received almost $50 a month for 18 months. So I had $900. So that note cost me about a little over $800 to buy. Wow. There are so many things that you'd said in that deal that I'm just like, <laughs> my mind is going everywhere. So first of all, you pulled in a lot of Pete Fortunato things into that, which I, I love so much. Actually, I bought this note the day after I took Peter's class. I applied his real estate technique to a note and I called him up the next day. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Pete always says when he sits at a kitchen table of a seller, he says, what, why in the world are you selling such a nice house like this? And so you said, why are you selling a note like this instead? And then you also, Pete also says, money is never the end goal. It's always a conduit for something. So you, instead of giving them cash, you said, well, why don't I just take care of this medical bill? And actually, I think I got it wrong because I said accounts receivable, but actually, I don't think a lot of people know this in case people don't know it. Delinquent or defaulted debt or debt that isn't getting payments, a lot of the times gets sent to collections mm -hmm. departments. This was before collections. Okay, before collections. This is only not long after she had left the hospital. They, they, okay. Every day. Okay, great. And yeah, so in, in general, people don't also don't know that you can actually... Talk down your way from any any debt, and so I I love that so much. Like debt, you can discount even more. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's right. You're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. By that way, that's part of the no business that I've done too. Mm -hmm. By delinquent debt, not necessarily secured by mortgages. Do you happen to know what your yield was on that? I you know I've never figured it out. Okay. Uh, and then and, and then. Three years later, a terrible thing happened. Paid off. You paid yeah, me paid off. off. <laughs> you, you should figure out your yield for that. You have a class tomorrow that you're teaching, right? You should figure out the, the numbers. For, I mean, you remember everything down to the cent, the pennies. So you should, you should figure that out and add it to your creative finance. You know, like, I, I will. I, I've never figured out what my yield was because me, it was good enough. Yeah. I ended up buying a $20,000 note for $800. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I don't know that I've gotten a deal that good so far, but let's move on to the Giordano round. Do you want to do the introduction for the Giordano round? All right. Round? I will. So this is the Giordano round and it's named Giordano round after Chicago deep dish pizza. The idea is that each question leaves our listeners with a meaty, hearty slice of knowledge. And myself and she will go back and forth, six questions, rapid fire, and Bill will give us his best answer. So I'll start off with the first. You're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These are your last words before you die. What would you scream out to the world and want them to remember you by? 
and that he was a nice guy. And he was a good person. He was a good person. He was a nice guy. Nice. And by the way, that is the top of model law because that's actually the highest mountain in the world. There you go. Wines would know that because from the sea floor to the top of model, oh, yeah. I had the Mount Everest. Yeah. For those of you who don't know Bill, if you ever want to know who he is in the room, he's always wearing a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Never, ever have I seen you. I think only once ever I've seen you without a Hawaiian shirt. And I said something, you're like, no, no, it's still Hawaiian, just very small print. And yeah. I, you know, <laughs> well, I actually, didn't, didn't we go to Ashavon? Yes. Oh, I yes. I, I wear a tux. I bought a tux for one event only. Yeah. Bruce Norris's event. Yep, exactly. I need to buy a dress for that event this year. Okay, uh, number two. If there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? If you do good for other people, it will come back to you in ways you can never imagine. I love it. And you will be so much richer. All right. Number three, vocab. What are your favorite or three most critical real estate terms no investors and investors in general should know and why? Yield. <laughs> what is your return on your invested dollars? Leverage. That is the financing because it can go be good or it can be bad depending on how you get the financing. And there's a third one, drawing a blank on that one, but though I have a glossary of terms in my <laughs> creative finance class. Uh, doesn't have to be note related if you. No, oh, no, no, that's real estate. Well, it's real estate and note, really, those last two terms. Yep, yep. How about yeah. sub two? I feel like that's a good one. Subject two would be, a, I, I prefer options to subject two. Okay. Option is a, is a smaller bet to obtain a greater yield, greater yeah. return. It's a, it's a smaller, it's a gamble. Okay. Number four, education is critical in this business. What books, apps, or mastermind groups would you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? Yeah, HB10B2M. Easy. People say it's magic. It's not magic. Magic's between the ears. It's just a tool. She has taken that tool and her mind and created wealth with it. And, he, and the wealth is playing what-if games. If, if I paid this much, what would be my yield type of things? Or if I stretched out the term, what would be the word things? Book. Which, which book? Which book? <laughs> For those of you listening, he's looking at a very substantive bookshelf um, behind him. I have a 10 by 10 storage facility that's five to six feet high full of tapes and seminars. <laughs> Used to be in this room. Think and Grow Rich. Love that book. Yeah. Think and Grow Rich. Uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. Love that as well. That's one of my top favorites. And I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm missing some others. A real estate related, a fortune at your feet by A.D. Kessler and the real, real estate fast track by David Finkel. Those are, I think, really good starting with. For a seminar, my, our friend Mike Cantu's don't get voted off a real estate island. It is actually, I think, maybe the best seminar I've ever taken. You can buy it and have the recording. Yes, from MikeCantu.com. I, when I first met Mike, I had all these questions and he's like, did you get my real estate course yet? Did you get my real estate course yet? And I didn't know why he kept saying that. I was like, no, why don't you just answer? And then I listened. I was like, oh. It is so... There's so many answers. Oh. 
It is so well thought out. Yeah. Another book would be um, John Schaub's Building Wealth One House at a Time. And you can apply that to just about anything. Just change the name. <laughs> I'd like to think that my Hillaria group is, is a pretty good networking group because we have a, an educated speaker. And then we have an after-meeting meeting. And at the after-meeting meeting, I ask the people what they learn from the speaker and then answer questions and help people. I will say this about Bill in case people don't know him very well. He will quiz you. He'll call you in the middle of the room and say, what did you learn? And that's what happened at my first LA RIA meeting. I was not prepared for that. <laughs> so always come prepared, take notes, because he will put you on the spot in his classes and in like real estate investment association meetings. Well, the reason is to solidify what you learned. Right. If you think about something you just covered, because what happens to a lot of people, they get education, they might put it on the bookshelf and never look at it again. Mm -hmm. And so if they're, I can't do that at a, at a meeting, but after the meeting, I can ask you, what did you learn? And so the repetition usually helps solidify some of the learnings. So true. Yeah. Also, I'm going to tag tail or whatever the word is with you to storage unit sometime to look at all your books. <laughs> Love that. Okay. Our number five, what is the most important skill to build to be successful in real estate investing? I would say people skill. To be able to relate to people, to listen to them. You have two ears, one mouth, use them in that proportion. It's really funny. The best thing you can do for them is to give them your attention and your attention. I mean, looking right at them and excluding whatever else is going on around you. You can learn the skill of listening and really relating to people. There's nothing you cannot do. I have a really good friend, Tony Alvarez, and he is one of the best people at relating to other people immediately. My wife is the best one. And all she does is listen. And they just think she's just the smartest and most wonderful person. She has a lot of other wonderful qualities too. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, last one. Number six. What is the very first action you would advise a brand new investor to take to start their journey in real estate? In real estate? Mm -hmm. uh, take a basic class. Uh, and real estate uh, uh, agents take it's real estate principles. You have to learn the language of of the business to uh, before you do anything. It's a basic foundation for, for your real estate career, I would add upon that. I would add that you should take, learn how to use a financial calculator to be able to figure things out. I, I, my financial calculator is one thing I'm, I'm really known for, and I, I truly consider it a foundation in class. And then I would really strongly urge people to take Gary Johnson's financial freedom principles class. It's offered twice a year. It is not only about real estate. It's not only about nodes. It's about your personal finances and how to grow them and to learn what to, is costing you by not knowing financing. Because a lot of people, pay, they're more concerned about the monthly payment than they are about the rent they're, that they're, cha they're char being charged on the money they borrow. If that's borrowing money to buy a car, if it's borrowing money to buy a house, it's borrowing money via credit card. People don't know how much 
interest slant. I call it rent because you borrow the money, you have to give it back and you're renting it for that period of time. That's my answer. I'm sticking to it. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Bill, how could our listeners best get in touch with you? They can email me, bill at billtaninvestments.com. That's bill at billtaninvestments.com. I also have a website, billtaninvestments.com. And my phone number would be 626-898-5466. That's 626-898-5466. I am not a big social media person. (laughs) And then be patient me getting back to you because right now I I spent a lot of time caring for a family member and actually recently two family members. <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. That's our episode for the day. Signing off for Chi, signing off for Bill. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you on the next one.